Father, we thank you just so much for um, the opportunity we get to come to worship you at a church like this that upholds the word of God so faithfully. Father, you are faithful, and I pray that you would help us to see just how faithful you are in giving us your word. Father, just help us to understand these things and to appreciate them that we're going to learn this morning. Give us great clarity. Give us great insight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, last week, we started our series on the Ten Commandments. We started talking about the top ten myths of the Ten Commandments. But before we did that, I showed you guys a couple of hand illustrations to, to <coughs> memorize the Ten Commandments. Does anyone remember what they are? Can you guys? Josh was motioning back there. One. Two is this. Yep, good. Three. Yep. Uh, yep, good. It's okay, okay, well, that's all right. Baby steps here, right? So. What was five? Wasn't something with like a thumb? Nope, that's number six. Five. Slap, slap the behind, okay? That's three, yep. Number six. Yeah, there you go. Stab. Number seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Two, two stay together. Number eight. Okay, good. Yeah, don't steal. Yep. Number nine. Same thing. That's right. Same as number three. Number ten. Jazz hands. <laughs> not quite. Do not covet. So, do you guys know what they all are? Like what? Okay. So, there's only uh, you shall have no other gods before me. There's only one God. Okay. Number two is you shall not make a graven image or an idol. Okay. So no, no bowing down. Number three, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. Sabbath means rest, so holy, keep it holy, rest. Number five, honor your father and mother, or else you'll get a spanking. So, uh, Number six, which is, that's the one where you uh, do not murder. So, that. It's probably going to go on the recording as I'm messing up my mic here. But Number seven, uh, do not commit adultery. Two stay together. Okay. Number eight is do not steal. Okay. Taken away. Number nine is um, do not bear false witness. I was going to say do not lie, but that's not quite the same thing. So um, we'll talk about that. Uh, number nine, uh, yeah, do not bear false witness. No, no. Number 10, do not covet. Okay, got it? Okay, there's going to be a quiz next week. I'm just joking. But you guys need to know these, okay? So <laughs> so I, I, might, I might ask one of you next week just to try to replicate it and see if you can, okay? So, so try to try to learn these things, okay? Uh, you need to know them. It's important. So last week, we covered the top 10 myths uh, of the Ten Commandments. And there are a lot of things people say about the Ten Commandments that just simply are not true. And let me just review briefly what those top 10 were so you guys can remember them. And also, uh, for those of you guys who may not have been here, you'll, you'll be able to hopefully uh, get a picture of what we talked about. Number one, they're just a bunch of rules. And that was the most common one. They're just a bunch of rules. I think that's the most common way people think about the Ten Commandments. Just a bunch of rules to follow. 
There really is no rhyme or reason why God selected these 10. They are just nice rules that everyone needs to obey. And that's just not true. That's not true. They're not just a bunch of rules. Number two, they are arranged in some random order. Uh, if number one is the most common, I would say number two is kind of like its sidekick. Uh, some say that the order God has placed these commandments in really has no rhyme or reason either. Uh, so it's not just that God selected a bunch of commandments randomly, but the order that he placed them in is also random. Well, that's not true either. There is an intentionality with the order. Uh, number three, they don't really relate to me. They don't really relate to me. Uh, and this is really another way of saying that the Ten Commandments are not devotional at all. That is not true. The Ten Commandments are very devotional. Number four, they really only work in evangelism. Uh, some people might be tempted to think that the only reason the Ten Commandments exist is to tell others that they can't do them, and so therefore they need Jesus. Uh, that may be true, but that's not the reason why the Ten Commandments were created. That's not the only reason, okay? Number five, they are rules to be used to form government, okay? Uh, you see the Ten Commandments linked to a lot of political stuff. Um, you know, you see it, like, inscribed on, you know, plaques and stuff like that and, and put in different places in government. Uh, but the Ten Commandments are not really to be, they're not a template, okay? They're not, they're not to be replicated in any nation's constitution. Uh, they belong to God's nation for a distinct purpose. Number six, they are only for baby Christians. They are only for baby <coughs> Christians. Just because the Ten Commandments are foundational for the Christian life doesn't make them simple. They're not simple. They're actually kind of complex. Uh, and that's because they have to form the backbone of the entire Christian life. They have to have a very complex structure to uphold everything in the Christian life. So they're not just for baby Christians. They're for everybody. So number seven, they're only for Israel and not the church. And so it might be tempting to say like, you know, hey, these, these 10 commandments were written to the nation of Israel. It's true. They were. But you might be saying, well, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. Is anyone Jewish or has a Jewish heritage at all? Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, not many people are, uh, at least around in, in our circle. So, but not many people are Jewish. And so you're thinking, well, how does this apply to me? I was never an Israelite. I don't think these commandments would have any value to me today. Well, that may be true. You may not be Jewish, but you are a Christian. You are a Christian. And there is a parallel here that we will talk about. The Ten Commandments do apply to you, and they are very valuable. Okay? Number eight, they can save me. They can save me. Uh, this is just flat-out ignorance. The Ten Commandments never claim that they can save you. They never do. Uh, that's not their design. Many people have really missed the boat on this one. The Ten Commandments cannot save you. They were never designed to save you. Okay? Just get that in your head. Works do not save you. Ten Commandments do not save you. Okay? Number nine, they are worthless because they claim they can save you. So some people come, come at it from the other side, and they say, okay, we know the Ten Commandments can't save you, but we think the Ten Commandments still claim they can save you. And so that makes the Ten Commandments worthless. Well, that's wrong, too. Once again, you're just missing the, un the whole point of what the Ten Commandments are all about. 
they can't save you. So there is value to them. It's just it's no, there's no saving value to them, okay? Number 10, they are boring. <laughs> they are boring. Uh, and by this point, uh, that should really sound ridiculous. It really should. Uh, because obviously you have completely been oblivious to how valuable the Ten Commandments really are. Um, they're not boring. They're dynamic. They are very dynamic. And so we've touched on these major myths about the Ten Commandments. This is what they are not. This is what they are not. And what we've kind of done is we've created kind of this boundary, okay? And we've talked about it's not this, 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 not this. Okay, we've talked about a lot of different things of what it's not. And so we've kind of framed our discussion so that we begin to discuss what actually are the Ten Commandments. What, act, what are they about? What's the point of them? And so before we actually start venturing inside here to figure out, hey, what are the Ten Commandments all about? What I want to do this morning is I want to whet your appetite. I want to whet your appetite. I want to show you how the Ten Commandments can actually benefit you. Um, what should you be able to take away when all of this is said and done? Next week, we will start to answer the question, what, the Ten Commandments, what are the Ten Commandments all about? That's what we're going to do next week. But this week, let's answer the, this, this kind of question. Why should I care? Why should I care? If we're going to be selfish, you could actually say it this way. What's in it for me? Okay? And I'm not trying to be selfish for the sake of being selfish. I'm just trying to say, let's answer this question of so what? Who cares? What, what are the Ten Commandments? What am I going to get out of this by the end of our series? Okay? So this morning, I want to put in your hands four practical benefits from the Ten Commandments. Okay? Four practical benefits from the Ten Commandments. And so let me just walk through these in succession so you guys can see what is the importance of this study that we're going through, okay? Number one, and we've talked about this a little bit, I will be able to think and live biblically. I will be able to think and live biblically. This is the biggest one you will be able to take away when we're all said and done here. My hope and prayer is that you will learn to think through life biblically. Now, what do I mean by this? A couple things. First, you will know how to make decisions that honor God. You will know how to make decisions that honor God. Life is full of decisions that you have to make. For example, what college am I going to go to? Some of you might even be thinking about that. Am I even planning on going to college? What will I study when I get there? Will I live in the dorms or off campus? Will I live at home if college is nearby? Will I have to pay rent? Can I afford to pay rent? What job should I get? Would I prefer to work earlier in the day or later in the day? Do I want to sit at a desk all day or be running around serving food all day? How will I get to work? By car? By bus? By bike? By foot? When should I get a car? What, ca what car am I going to drive? What color is it going to be? What make? What model? What year? Should I get an old beater that just gets me from point A to point B? Or should I get a really cool car to impress that girl or that guy that I really like? All right. Who should I marry? When should I get married? Where should I get married? Why should I get married? Where will we live? In the city? 
in the country, in suburbia, on Mars? You know, where are we going to live? We will, you know, will we live near people we know or move to somewhere where we don't know anyone? That's a good question. Who should my friends be? What will we be doing for fun? Where will we hang out? Will we, uh, so, sorry, will they all go to church or can some, some of them be unbelievers? Where will I go to church? Is there even a good church where I will be living? What ministries do I want to get involved in at church? Decisions, decisions, decisions. There are so many different decisions. Life is full of them. And none of these are black and white. There's no right or wrong answer here necessarily. There are a lot of factors that go into making decisions. And you have to learn how to think biblically to make good decisions. Understanding the Ten Commandments will help you learn how to make decisions that honor God. Notice, I did not say that the Ten Commandments will help you make decisions easier. They're not going to necessarily make them easier. The Ten Commandments will help you make decisions better. Okay, Help you make decisions better. There's a difference. Uh, the Ten Commandments will act like tinted glasses. If you were to put on tinted glasses... When you put them on, they will color all of life with a shade that is saturated in God's glory. No longer are you going to be asking yourself, how does this decision benefit me personally? Now you're going to ask yourself, how does this honor Christ? How does this honor Christ? How does this promote him? The Ten Commandments will plunge you deep into what it means to live a life for the glory of God. That's what the Ten Commandments do, and it helps you make decisions better that way. Now, second, second, uh, you will not only know how to make decisions that honor God, you will also know why you make the decisions that you make, why you make the decisions that you make. In other words, the Ten Commandments don't just give you a shortcut to making decisions, okay? It's not just the fast track to understanding this is the decision I need to make. They don't just tell you how to think. They, they tell you why it's important. The Ten Commandments point you and everyone else around you to something bigger than yourself. There's something bigger that's going on, and the Ten Commandments guide you in that direction. Now, next month, the new Star Wars movie is coming out, as you guys were talking about earlier, right? And I know you guys want to do a big marathon to make this happen and, and to kind of launch this, all right? Now, imagine for a moment, J.J. Abrams, who's the director of the, of the film, invited you to be an extra in the film. How, what? Yeah, you totally, right? Like, who wouldn't do that? How cool would that be, right? You know, are you ever going to turn something like that down if you have the opportunity? Probably not, right? Unless you have this weird aversion to Star Wars or something like that, and you just hate it or something, okay? But you wouldn't turn that down. I imagine most of you would jump at an opportunity like that. Why? Why would you do something like that? Because the movie's about you? No. You're not the star of the film. But why would you participate as an extra? Because you want to be a part of something bigger. You want to be a part of something that is absolutely amazing. Well, the Ten Commandments are not about you. The Ten Commandments tap into something bigger, something grander and they communicate something larger than I think what we're used to thinking about. But I don't want to really give away the surprise of what that is, 
because that's for later. We're going to talk about that later. So here's the next point. Okay, we're going to move on. Number two, I will be able to worship devotionally. I will be able to worship devotionally. Uh, contrary to popper, popular opinion, the Ten Commandments are not a rigid list of do's and don'ts. They are not just stiff. They're not cold. Uh, they're not impractical or unspiritual. Um, but I'm afraid we think about the Ten Commandments this way. It's like reading a dictionary. It's boring, right? Reading the Ten Commandments is, is like reading a dictionary. It's like trying to read through legal documents. I mean, have you ever tried to read through a legal document? Um, for example... Uh, whenever you sign up for a subscription online or download a program to your computer, there is something called terms and conditions. <coughs> terms and conditions. And you may not know what that is exactly, but I know you've come across it before because it's, it has to do with the box that you check every time that's, it says, I accept the terms and conditions before you actually download the program or pay for a subscription. Like, you all have to do it. If you've ever had to download iTunes, you've had to click this button, okay? The terms and conditions are not the box that you checked, okay? That's just telling you that you read the terms and conditions, okay? Uh, there's a difference. Uh, the terms and conditions is actually a massive page full of legal jargon that basically tells you, here's what you agree to do and not to do with the service you are buying or downloading. It is a law that is set up between you and the company, okay? And it prevents you from suing them, okay? That's, that's essentially what it does. But seriously, how many of you have ever read that thing? How many of you have read the terms and conditions? I, I've tried before, and it's hard. It's hard. I've seen some terms and conditions that would take me hours to read. And not, I mean, and it's boring stuff. Like, it's really boring. And it, it's like really complicated wording and stuff like that. Hours, hours and hours. No one has that kind of time to sift through all that kind of stuff. You just kind of check the box and say, yeah, I've read it and I understand it, right? And then you can download iTunes or whatever. Well, I'm afraid this is the way we treat the Ten Commandments in some ways. It's just a bunch of legal jargon, a few rules that we kind of yawn at, check the box and say, yeah, I agree that these are true, and I agree I won't disobey them, and then we kind of move on. Guys, the Ten Commandments are devotional in nature. The Ten Commandments beg you to return back to them, to study them, to learn from them, because they set the pattern for the Christian life. They're not something you just ignore and check the box and just agree to, to them and then move on. The Ten Commandments are a manual for how you live the Christian life. A manual is not something you peruse quickly. It's not. You have to really... Think about it and study of it, study it because it tells you how to do something. You know, for example, you don't buy a cookbook just to flip through it and say, yeah, I agree that if I put all these ingredients together, out will pop a cake. And then that's, that's the only reason why I have this cookbook. It's just because I agree with it. No, no, no. You have a cookbook because you refer back to it so you can learn how to make a cake, right? Or a pie or anything like that. For, or here's another example. You don't go to Six Flags and pick up a park map and say to yourself, yeah, I agree that's how the park is laid out, and then you just toss it in the trash and just walk around aimlessly not knowing where you're going, right? That's stupid. If you've never been to the park before, you hold on to the map and you refer to it as you're going about the park so you know where you're going. 
Well, the Ten Commandments are a manual. They're a resource for you to study so that you know exactly how to live the Christian life. You immerse yourself, I'm sorry, when you, when you immerse yourself in the Ten Commandments, you will learn how to live life practically. The Ten Commandments is really where the rubber meets the road. It takes big, abstract concepts like God's holiness, God's righteousness, God's justice, his sovereignty, his faithfulness, and it glues it to real life. That's what it does. In the Ten Commandments, the big abstract ideas meet the little practical moments of life. How does God's holiness make an impact in your life? How does God's righteousness change the way you live? How does God's justice transform how you act and think? How does God's sovereignty strengthen your trust in God? How does God's faithfulness prompt you to believe and remain faithful to him? The Ten Commandments answer all these questions. They really do. And so you will learn to worship devotionally. Number three, I will understand how the Old and New Testaments work together. I will understand how the Old and New Testaments work together. Do you guys remember when you were little and you were given two pictures that looked exactly alike and your teacher would tell you, compare the two pictures and identify all the differences between them? You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, you have, I don't know, you have like two pictures and you have like two guys and there's like this tree in the background and, sorry, that's a horrible tree, but they're like the same picture, right? And but you see like one has like fruit and this guy has like shoes and stuff like that and this guy's smiling, this guy's frowning and I don't know. Like there's like, there's a few differences, right? So, and, and the point is, the pictures look exactly the same, right, except for a couple of differences. Well, a lot of people get hung up on the differences that exist between the Old and the New Testament. Uh, they have no idea how the two relate to each other, and they can't explain why there are differences between them. Uh, for example, there are sacrifices in the Old Testament. Are there sacrifices that we do today? No, we don't do sacrifices. So the question is, so why is there a difference? Why did God change this? Here's another example. God commanded Israel to kill, all, or to kill uh, a lot of other nations. It's crazy. Do we do that today? No. Islam does that, but we don't do that. Okay? Uh, <laughs> it's true. And it's sadly, we, we're seeing that you know, more often. But, but it's true. That's, that's kind of the way it works. We don't do that today. It's different. We don't operate that way. And so the question is, why is there a difference? Why did God change this? There are big differences, and the temptation is to, to, to say, well, the Old Testament is so different from the New Testament that really the Old Testament was God's plan A, and when that failed, he kind of scratched it and went to plan B, New Testament. That's not the way it works, though. We know that's not the way it works. That's just flat out wrong. God never had a plan A and then ditched it for plan B. God has always had a plan A in the Old Testament, and he has continued that plan into the New Testament, okay? So while there are differences, the pictures are actually almost the same. The Old and the New Testaments are almost exactly the same. And so you might say, well, Israel and the church, or the Old Testament and the New Testament, seem so different. They seem so different. They, they seem so unlike. How can you possibly say 
that they look alike. How can you say that? What could, what could possibly make them look so much alike? Great question. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. That's where it begins to overlap. The Ten Commandments will clear up for you how the New Testament is actually very similar to the Old Testament. But I want you to know the Ten Commandments not only tell you that the Old Testament and the New Testament are similar, they also tell you that they belong together. They belong together. Uh, there are a lot of things that go well together. For example, peanut butter and jelly. They go well together. Yeah? I think, right? Most people like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a natural thing. Let me rattle off a few things, and you tell me what goes with each one of the following, okay? Salt and pepper. Good. Macaroni and? Good. Biscuits and? Good. In and? Yes. Before and? Good. Dogs and? Good. Adam and? Good. Romeo and? Good. Phineas and? Yes. Good. Okay. The Old Testament and the New Testament, they go together because they're meant to go together. They go together because they work together. They're like two peas in a pod. Uh, the Bible is one big storyline that begins in the Old Testament, and it runs through the New Testament. It's not two separate stories. They're one big story of God's plan to save people and glorify his son, Jesus Christ. And so are there differences between the two? Yeah, there's totally differences. But those differences work together to form one story. And here's the thing. The Ten Commandments begin to show you how the two parts of that story fit together. Okay? That, th this is going to be, I think, really revolutionary for your understanding of the entire Bible. The old, that's, how, that's how Ten Commandments work. They begin to bridge the gap between the two Testaments. I think oftentimes we think of them as two separate things. Well, there was the Old Testament, but now there's the New, and that's all what we're about. It's not true. We're about one large story. Ten Commandments tell you how, how they all fit together, okay? <clears throat> Number four. Fourth and finally, I will get excited about the gospel. I will get excited about the gospel. If the Ten Commandments help you uh, put the Old Testament and the New Testament together, then guess what? The Ten Commandments are going to pave the way for the gospel, and that should get you excited. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 for a moment. I actually didn't think we were going to be actually using our Bibles today, and then I realized, oh, we are going to use our Bibles today. This is great. So that's awesome. It's kind of sad that we can't use our Bibles a lot in the first couple of sermons here, but we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> that's right. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 8. Does someone want to actually want to read this for us? Uh, verses 8 through 11. Joel? Thank you for volunteering. Go and read nice and loud for us, verses 8 through 11. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the un unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, for slanderers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. 
in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I am fully entrusted. Okay, this passage is talking about the law, or the Ten Commandments, which is a big part of the law, okay? And notice how he ends, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I was entrusted. The Ten Commandments, the law, is in accordance with, it lines up with the gospel, okay? You can, meet, you can easily misunderstand the law. You can easily misunderstand the purpose. Uh, you can easily misrepresent the Ten Commandments. The, yitri, the, the rich young ruler did. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The rich young ruler thought that he had actually kept all of the laws of the Ten Commandments, right? And his whole point of that was, well, that's going to make me saved. That's going to save me. But that's not the point of the law. That's not the point of the Ten Commandments. The law was given for people who are wicked, who are wicked, not for people who are, who are uh, trying to attain salvation through righteousness, who can be perfect. That's not the point. The point is for the people who are wicked. The Ten Commandments were established for people who have rebelled against God. The Ten Commandments don't save you, but they do point you to how you get saved. Okay? The Ten Commandments point you to how you get saved. They point you to the gospel. They point you to how God plans to bring everything back to the way it should be. Okay? That's what the Ten Commandments do. They actually funnel you into a direction to show you this is the only way that you can get saved. And there's a lot of ways that it does it. And we'll talk about exactly how it's going to do that because right now it might be a little fuzzy in your brain, okay? But my point right now is not to explain that to you. My point is just to tell you it's going to pave the way for the gospel, and that should excite you. That should excite you. The Ten Commandments are kind of like a path you would find when you're lost in the woods. Uh, before, you were, before, you were terrified when you're lost, right? You're, you're scared. You can't find your way. It's dark. But when you see the path for the first time, there's a thrill of joy, and there's a sigh of relief. There it is. There it is. You have found a way out. The Ten Commandments are your path out of the woods of sin. They're your path out of the woods of sin. They lead you to the bright light of the gospel. They show you that you are a sinner, but they don't just leave you there. They don't just leave you. They don't just tell you you're a sinner. They also tell you that God has a plan to change everything. They do that. The Ten Commandments actually do that. So these are four of many benefits that you are going to get from our study of the Ten Commandments. There are a lot more where you're going to benefit from, I think you're going to find. But these are probably the top four in my mind uh, that we are going to study, that we're going to look at in depth. And by the end of the series, I, I really encourage you, take these out. Take these out when we're all said and done and test yourself with them. Ask yourself, did I learn the following? Do I know how to think and live more biblically because of the Ten Commandments? Do I know how to worship more devotionally because of the Ten Commandments? Do I know how the Old and New Testaments work together because of the Ten Commandments? Do I get excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the Ten Commandments? If you can put a check mark by each one of these by the time we're all said and done, then I've done my job, and you've learned what you need to have learned. So the Ten Commandments have a lot of great benefits, and I hope that you guys are excited about that 
And you can see from these four practical benefits that there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. And it's also very, very practical for your life. Okay? Next week, we're going to jump into what is the point of the Ten Commandments? What are they all about? We're actually going to dive into that. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Ten Commandments because they do, really at the, at, the, at the base of what they are, they guide us to the gospel. And we're so excited about that. And they do so many, uh, so many other wonderful things like tell us how the Old New Testaments fit together. And they help us see how to worship devotionally. And they help us to think and live biblically. But Father, please encourage us in this way and help us to learn these things so that we begin to actually put them in our lives in a way that proclaims that this is the truth and this is wonderful and there is nothing better than this. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would encourage each student to find ways to live this out and bless our study, bless our understanding, bless our time together. Father, we, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who alone, to whom alone belongs glory and honor and victory because he is the author of the Ten Commandments and he is the end result and the purpose and the goal of the Ten Commandments. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.